Welcome to the Language Games Podcast. My name is John Kaus. Today is part 12 of our Van Til's Apologetic series. Last week we finished Van Til's proof, but there are still questions that need to be answered and certain misunderstandings that need to be corrected. So today we begin what you might call cleanup work. And the first point is that Van Til's Apologetic can be presented in two distinct ways. I know this is fairly jarring to some Vantillians today, but this, this is true. Okay, there are two distinct ways to do Vantill's argument. The first one is what you might call the direct way, the direct method. And that is where you're going to God's truth, you're going to what scripture teaches, and then from there, uh, you show that Christianity is true. So from God's truth, what scripture teaches, you go do that Christianity is true. And that's what we did in this series. It's natural to call that the, the, the direct method because you're going right directly to Christianity, right, and then showing it to be true. The indirect method would be where you're proving Christianity through the destruction of autonomy, right, or, or anything that's anti-Christian. So you're, you're doing it indirectly. You're going through unbelief to get to the truth of Christianity. And so if you show autonomy implies a falsehood, then you can infer that autonomy is false, and since there are only two options, Christianity or autonomy, and autonomy is false, you can infer that Christianity is true. Now, this distinction, though, in these two arguments is not there in Van Til and Bonson's writings. In fact, they clearly present these two at, um, as one argument. These are two steps in one argument, but they're actually separate arguments entirely. They get to the same conclusion, of course, but they're separate arguments. All right, so... Uh, Van Til says, the method of reasoning by presupposition may be said to be indirect rather than direct. And this is where I'm using the terms differently than Van Til is here. And I think that's for good reason, and I'll show what, why that is. Because going forward, we need to really change how we're using the terms direct and indirect. In that it's more natural, I think, to use it the way that I'm using it and not in the way that Van Til and Bonson used it. So they're saying that the method, the presuppositional method, is more indirect rather than direct. He says, the issue between believers and non-believers in Christian theism cannot be settled by a direct appeal to facts or laws whose nature and significance is already agreed upon by both parties to the debate. So he's using direct in the autonomous form of reasoning. So that's how he's, that's how he's using that term. So the indirect would be where we're not autonomous in our reasoning. He says, the question is rather as to what is the final reference point required to make the facts and laws intelligible. The question is as to what the facts and laws really are. Are they what the non-Christian methodology assumes that they are? Are they what the Christian theistic methodology presuppose they are? He says, Roman Catholics and Arminians are bound to use the direct method of, of approach to the natural man, the method that assumes the essential correctness of a non-Christian and non-theistic conception of reality. So again, the direct method is one of neutrality. The indirect is the one not of neutrality. And of course, I would agree with that. I'm not for neutral, neutral reasoning. But I don't think the terms are very helpful here, especially if you if you've, uh, realize that the, there are actually two ways to perform Van Til's argument. And both ways clearly fall under what we would call just intuitively, a direct method, and intuitively, an indirect method. Bonson says, Thus there can be no direct proof offered for the truth of either perspective. The argument between believer and unbeliever must then be indirect, admitting the impossibility of a neutral approach to reasoning and facts. So, 
I'm proposing that we change the use of those terms. Okay, so going forward in Vanto's apologetic, we acknowledge that there are two forms of his argument. One is direct and one is indirect. And then if we want to talk about the evidential kind of reasoning, then just talk about neutrality, neutral reasoning. All right, as we continue on. So Van Til writes, in seeking to follow the example of Paul, Reformed apologetics needs, above all else, to make clear from the beginning that it is challenging the wisdom of the natural man on the authority of the self-attesting Christ speaking in Scripture. So this is really Van Til summarizing, I would say, both arguments, but the uh, the intention or the goal of both <clears throat> arguments. Now, as he goes on, though, and, and I'm not going to overly quote Van Til here because there are numerous quotes to do that, and I'll, I'll provide that through Bonson uh, in his Van Til's Apologetic, where he's quoting Van Til thoroughly and then commenting on it. But Van Til here is talking now about what we say, I would call the indirect. He says, uh, doing this, the Reformed apologist must place himself on the position of his opponent, the natural man, in order to show him that on the presupposition of human autonomy, human predication cannot even get underway. Okay, well, if human predication cannot even get underway with autonomy, then you can disprove autonomy, and then what do you have left? Christianity. So you have proven Christianity then indirectly. Bonson, commenting on this kind of presentation from Van Til, says, in order to display this truth to the unbeliever, the presuppositionalist is willing to think things through in terms of what the unbeliever claims are his basic assumptions. And then for the sake of comparison, he invites the unbeliever to think things through in terms of the Christian basic assumptions. Now, we can be really careful here, because when they present the argument, sometimes they will go from thinking things through on the unbeliever position, meaning just the person with whom I'm inter interacting. And sometimes they say the unbeliever in that all of unbelief, so all of autonomy. And they move back and forth pretty fluidly between these two without our, always uh, clearly showing the, the distinction. And obviously they knew about the distinction, but it's not always clear in what context, uh, in what context they're using which one. So, but in this one, I think Bonson is talking about just the person that, that I'm with. If I'm interacting with someone in apologetics, I first say, hey, let's think things through on your position and then come think things through on my position. Okay, but notice though, if you were to do this, and a lot of people do this, okay, in interaction, so I'm in a debate or I'm just talking to someone, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, I first reduce his position to absurdity. All right, so we do that. And then the second step, I think things through as a Christian, okay? Or I might show what we would say the sufficiency of Christianity. Christianity is a, a sufficient foundation for knowledge, our first inference in, in this, that we made earlier on in the series. Okay, but does it follow from this that Christianity is true? If I refute the opponent that's in front of me, and then I show that Christianity can account for knowledge, as it, Knowledge has a home in the Christian interpretation of the world. Have I proven Christianity? No, I have not. I have not proven it. So if you look at the first point, reducing the opponent's position to absurdity, what can I infer from that? Well, that the opponent's position is not a viable option. So that leaves him without an option. And that's not nothing. I mean, that's important. We leave the person, the objector, without an option. Okay, so he's optionless right now. Now, what I've shown him with my position is that it's a viable option. I have not shown him that's the only option. 
okay, which of course Van Til and Bonson wanted to do. But at this point, I have not done that. All right, so another point here. Bonson says, and he's commenting on a, a paper that Van Til wrote early on in his career. This is before he even wrote in 1932 a survey of Christian epistemology or the metaphysics of apologetics as it was titled originally. Uh, this is an early article that Van Til wrote. And impressively, Van Til's apologetic is there very early on in Van Til's career, okay, which is incredibly impressive that his thought on this topic was so clearly, it was so clear in his mind early on. Uh, it is astounding, actually. But notice this, though. Bonson is now summarizing the article. He says, it exhibited the salient lines of Van Til's presuppositional approach, and there are now four of them, A, B, C, and D. He says, A, locating the opponent's crucial presuppositions, B, criticizing the autonomous attitude that arises from a failure to honor the creator-creature distinction, C, exposing the internal and destructive philosophical tensions that attend autonomy, and then D, setting forth the only viable alternative, biblical Christianity. Now, you put these four together, Okay, so and let's look at them individually now. Locating the opponent's crucial, cr crucial presuppositions. So I'm inter interacting with someone, I locate his crucial presuppositions. Are those the crucial presuppositions of all of unbelief or just this person's? See, I think right, right now what we're doing here is we're going to the particular, which is just illustrative of the whole. So to do that, that step, if it's not of all of unbelief, if it's just of a particular unbeliever's position, is not really crucial to the argument. So this is more of just like a rhetorical device that you would do with someone individually when you're debating. Now, B and C would be that indirect method, right? Now we're critiquing the autonomous attitude that arises from a failure to honor the creator-creature distinction and exposing the internal and destructive philosophical tensions, attentions that attend autonomy. But notice though, those are really, that's really the same step critiquing autonomy and exposing the internal and destructive philosophical uh, tensions in autonomy is the same thing. Okay, so B and C are really the same step. Now, if you say that, no, A is really just B and C, we're, we're locating the presuppositions and then we're critiquing them of all of unbelief. And I would say, well, fine, then A, B, and C really then all are one step. You locate here and destroy, locate and destroy. But notice if you do that, if you succeed in that, then you've proven Christianity. If you do it for all of unbelief, for all of autonomy. And then D, you're setting forth the only viable alternative, biblical Christianity. So in this, it reads like you still have to do it, right? Like B and C, the, which I would call the indirect method, is not sufficient to show the truth of Christianity. We then have to still go to the truth of Christianity and show it's the only viable alternative. But notice, though, if we can, if, if, why didn't we just go to D right away then? Right? If, if Christianity is the only viable alternative and we can show that from just going to it, which would be the direct method, then you don't need to do B and C or A. Just go right to Christianity, show it's the only viable alternative, and then we, we're done. And then indirectly, you have now refuted all of unbelief. All right, so let's continue on. We'll see this. In, in Bonson's writings some more. He says, this is a synopsis of the indirect or two-step approach, apolog apologetical procedure that presuppositional apologetics advocates. So you see, two steps. These two go, to go together in one argument. 
The first step is to lay out the Christian worldview in terms of which human experience is intelligible and the objections of the unbeliever can be contextually defeated. Okay, but look at this first step. This is not... This is, this is only to show the sufficiency of Christianity. This is not enough to show its necessity. Okay, the first step is to lay out the Christian worldview in terms of which human experience is intelligible. Okay, that means uh, knowledge has a home in the Christian worldview and Christian interpretation of the world. And we can refute the objections that come up with unbelievers here. Well, we did all that in our first inference, and that showed that Christianity is a sufficient uh, foundation for knowledge. All right, now, if we've done that, and then we go to the next step, the second step, he says, is to show that within the unbeliever's worldview, nothing is intelligible, not even objections to the Christian's viewpoint. All right, well, if you can show that the... Now, is he talking about just the unbeliever in front of him? Because now we're back to what we just talked about before. If he shows Christianity is sufficient, and he shows the person in front of him has you know, a worldview that is not intelligible, he can't make sense of, of intelligibility... Well, you've knocked down that worldview and you showed him that you have an alternative, but you haven't shown him it's the only alternative. Now, let's say that Bonson's talking about all of unbelief here. Well, if he's talking about all of unbelief and you can show nothing is intelligible with, with all of unbelief, then you can refute it. Well, if you can refute it and there are only two options, then you've proven Christianity, which means you don't need then the first step. All right, we'll continue on again. It says, since there are only two options at the most fundamental level, the truth or falsity of Christian theism as a presupposition, the refutation of the unbelieving one is an indirect proof of the other. And this is entirely my point. In the indirect method, there are only two options, fundamentally. If you can refute one of them, then you infer indirectly the other one. And that's why I propose we use indirect for that kind of argument. But notice then you don't need the first step. You don't need to go to Christianity and show that it's sufficient for knowledge, it must be because there are only two options and you refuted the other one. Which is again, this fits. Okay, this is a, I think a clarification. All the ingredients, everything is there in, in Van Til and Bonson. Okay, we're just, we're just pulling it out and making it clearer and correctly, apply, I think, applying each step to its own, its own argument. All right, now I think what gets Bonson, I don't want to say tripped up, but just moving so fluidly in and out with refuting the unbeliever in front of me or refuting unbelief as a whole is, and he says this in here with, in these parentheses, in whatever illustrative variation it appears. So he's, he's saying when he refutes an unbeliever in front of him, it's illustrating, right, this refutation of the entire position. And of course, I completely agree with that. Okay, it's wonderful to see Bonson knock down individual worldviews, and we should do that. And it's illustrating our ability to knock down the whole. But notice, though, he never gave a refutation of the whole. He only provided individual refutations. So you need the overall refutation. If, you're, if your individual one is illustrating the overall refutation, but you don't have the overall refutation, then you can't conclude that all unbelief is false. So you still have to refute all of unbelief if you're going to do this truly indirect method. And yet he admits uh, no human, not even a Christian apologist, has the omniscience to know all possible rival hypotheses, nor the eternity needed in which to test them all. Well, then how are we to do this? 
How can we do this? We have wonderful illustrations of how to do it with particular worldviews. But how do we do it with all of unbelief? It has not been done. It does not exist in Bonson's teachings, debates, uh, writings, Van Til's writings. It's not there. But I think we should do this, right? Because th there's, even if it's just for rhetorical punch, right, or rhetorical effectiveness, um, refuting an unbeliever's position, going right to his position, is, is effective. And then, so if you can go to his position, and then you can go to any position he can pick that's not Christian and show that it's false, I think that's, a, that's obviously a very powerful argument. It's just as powerful as the direct method that you would do. And so Bonson and Van Til claimed that we could do this, and they illustrated it so beautifully in individual examples. So it seems very fruitful then to produce the, the truly indirect argument, which would be all of unbelief. And so we're going to do that in a future series. We're going to go through, just like we did the, the direct, we're now going to go through the, we're going to go through the indirect. But we'll do that in, in a future series. All right. So we'll pause here for now. Next week, we'll continue on with this cleanup work. For more content like this, you can find us on x at underscore language games. See you next time.